Welcome to this PTJ podcast. PTJ is the official publication of the American Physical Therapy Association. PTJ disseminates basic and applied science related to physical therapy, contributes evidence to guide clinical decision-making, and publishes scholarly perspectives from around the world. The following PTJ podcast is the 2011 APTA Presidential Address, delivered by APTA President Dr. R. Scott Ward, at the opening ceremonies of PT 2011, the annual conference and exposition of the American Physical Therapy Association, on June 8, 2011, in National Harbor, Maryland. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the Chief Executive Officer of the American Physical Therapy Association, Mr. John Barnes. Dr. Scott Ward is president of the American Physical Therapy Association. Dr. Ward has been a member of APTA since 1980 and has held numerous leadership positions at all levels of the association. Currently, Dr. Ward is serving his second three-year term as APTA's president. Dr. Ward is a professor and chair of the Department of Physical Therapy at the University of Utah in Salt Lake City. He also serves on the staff of the University of Utah's Hospital Burn Center and directs the operations of the University of Utah's Rehabilitation and Wellness Clinic, which is designed to meet the rehabilitative care needs of people with multiple chronic diseases. In addition to his administrative and teaching activities, Dr. Ward serves on the editorial boards of the American Journal of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation and the Journal of Burn Care and Research. Scott has also authored over a dozen book chapters and monographs, been published in numerous journals, and has made over 100 scientific and professional presentations. In 2009, in recognition of his many contributions to the profession of physical therapy, Scott was awarded the Utah Chapter Lifetime Achievement Award. Dr. Ward received a PhD degree in physiology and a Bachelor of Arts degree in physical therapy from the University of Utah. He currently resides in Salt Lake City with his wife and three daughters. It has been my personal pleasure to have worked with Scott over the last four years, and it is my personal pleasure to introduce to you the president of the American Physical Therapy Association, Dr. Scott Ward. Thank you, John, and thank you all. As I meet with many of our colleagues in different parts of the country, I hear accounts of their clinical practice, their research, their teaching, and their learning. Although these colleagues often express their joy in the science and art of what we do, the hope that we can provide to those we care for is almost more important. But I also sometimes hear comments about how elements of what they do seem ordinary. One such comment came after an account of a colleague's work with a patient with a rare protein receptor deficiency, which resulted in serious myopathy. The patient's muscle wasting was severe, estimated at 25 pounds of muscle in one month, and the patient's creatine kinase levels were consistently above 60,000 units per liter, far above what we know to be the norm predictably under 200 units per liter. 
While working on the root cause of the pathology, the patient's neurologist was in a quandary about how to manage the myopathy. And in consulting with the physical therapist, the neurologist said simply, will you see this patient? I'm not sure what you can do, but you are our best option right now. The physical therapist explained to me that the exam seemed routine. There was nothing particularly unusual about the interventions of strengthening aerobic exercise and functional activities that she chose to use with the patient. This physical therapist further described to me the need for her to take charge of a bigger picture of care for this patient and how that action led to a wheelchair evaluation and fitting, a nutrition consult, and a call for some additional nursing care. And what was the result of this colleague's action? The patient is now out of the power chair, is walking, and is back to work at about 85% of pre-episode levels. This physical therapist told me that looking at care beyond her own with a broader lens was just what she always did. To her, it was simply ordinary, she said. To the patient and his family, however, what this physical therapist did saved their lives in a very meaningful way. What this physical therapist did was, in fact, extraordinary. Now, I do not necessarily think that ordinary is a bad thing unless it makes us think less of ourselves and our meaningful contributions to society. My challenge to you is to appreciate that often in what you might consider your ordinary day lurks something far from common. We must be willing in the work we do to recognize the extraordinary in the ordinary. If you feel that what you do and who you are is ordinary, I would ask you to consider four suggestions. One, do not settle for ordinary. Two, strive to make sure you are not ordinary. Three, do not presume that what you do is at all ordinary. And four, remember that the patients and clients you are privileged to care for are not at all ordinary. Let me explain these four suggestions to you. First, do not settle for the ordinary. If you think that the work you do is common, there are a few things you can do about that. Do something to make it less common. Find ways to change how your practice works by altering what you do based on the most current and relevant evidence. Find new ways of doing things or maintain your current methods based on your professional confidence and the knowledge and understanding of the latest evidence. Sometimes reviews of patient care or peer reviews of our practice may lead us to whole new ways to act. But more commonly, more ordinarily, such appraisals reveal that we either need not change what we are doing or that only minor corrections to practice are called for. In any case, we will head toward a destination different from routine simply by our intentional introspection about it. 
NCAA basketball coach Rick Pitino once said, excellence is the unlimited ability to improve the quality of what you have to offer. We should be working to improve the quality of what we have to offer all the time. And in so doing, we will demonstrate excellence and dedication to those for a time who entrust their lives to us. Walking, reaching, rolling, balancing, climbing stairs, sitting, squatting, pushing, pulling, grasping, running, lifting, and carrying are just some of the activities that rely on movement and are the focus of our work. We understand the complexity of multiple systems that are required to coordinate and carry out these essential functional activities. I believe that society in general considers these and other similar activities within the realm of our expertise so ordinary that many people might think it peculiar for us to concentrate on them in our study, our investigation, and our practice. Peculiar, that is, until they need our expert help in better understanding and recovering a compromised ability to perform one of these activities or in learning to adapt to changes in their skill level with one of these crucial life activities. Walking or reaching are mundane except to those who struggle with these important activities. And we, more than any other profession, recognize and interact with those folks to better appreciate the magic in the mundane. We also have an obligation to monitor the work of our colleagues. Just as you seek to be something more than ordinary, do not allow your colleagues to settle for ordinary. Be a community catalyst. Be that catalyst for professional growth and clinical inquisitiveness. Invite your colleagues to take advantage of improvement opportunities. With this in mind, let me move to my second suggestion. Strive to make sure you are not ordinary. If only I was better looking or better connected or smarter or wealthier or had more time. There are lots of wishes we might have contained, in, and, and they are contained in any such, if only thinking. But wishing alone does not help us reach our full potential. American author and motivational speaker Richard Carlson once said, when you are fully engaged in and make the best of what you are doing, you will bring out the best in yourself. When we think that someone or something else is in control of an outcome, we often say, if only, if only I did not have to spend so much time on documentation, I could spend more time with my patients. If only I did not have to see so many patients in a day, I could be more effective. Although there are some constraints to some elements of our practice, don't allow externally applied rules to immobilize you. You cannot afford to be insouciant about your progress. There are many ways to mobilize your mind and to mobilize your practice. You are familiar with common methodologies for expanding your knowledge, 
This is nothing new. Journal clubs, group and specialty sections, study sessions, district, chapter, section, and national APTA meetings. I would also propose that preparing and sitting for ABPTS clinical specialty certification, serving as a clinical instructor, or establishing and offering a clinical residency or fellowship in your practice area are significant approaches to challenging yourself to move beyond ordinary. In February of 2011, 939 new board-certified clinical specialists were honored, joining the more than 10,000 individuals that have already achieved this distinction. Other clinicians are seeking and becoming credentialed as clinical instructors. In 2010, 3,785 of our colleagues were credentialed in clinical instruction, bringing the total number of APTA credentialed clinical instructors since the program's inception in 1997 to over 32,000 credentialed clinical instructors. And some of our colleagues are choosing to participate in residency and fellowship opportunities and an increasing number of residencies and fellowships were credentialed by the American Board of Physical Therapy Residency and Fellowship Education this year. This growing program seeks to provide unique opportunities to advance the preparedness of residents and enhance the expertise of fellows. In any reasonable way we choose to do it, as we take concrete steps towards being the best at what we do, not only will we progress, but our colleagues around us will be inspired to progress as well. So, even if you consider yourself ordinary, please continue to strive to always be a better ordinary. Do not allow yourself the millstone excuse that if only your colleagues would take an interest in your plan of improvement, you would all be better off. If your good example is not stimulating enough to others, do not let someone else's lethargy keep you from moving forward with your own professional development plan. Focus on the results you want in your development, just like you want your patients to focus on their clinical goals and your students to focus on their studies. Make sure you center your effort and time on actions that have high yield potential. Plan and organize your professional development. Research opportunities for education that is evidence-based and that match your plan. Network with colleagues and develop professional relationships in your areas of interest. Include the help of your colleagues as part of your development plan, and that will motivate them in their own professional growth. I realize that by asking us to endeavor to not be ordinary, there is a risk that we might think, indeed, we are ordinary by default, which leads me then to my third suggestion. Do not presume you are ordinary. As I ask you to contemplate the extraordinary and the ordinary, I want you to realize that what we do may seem routine to us, but it more commonly is anything but routine. Another colleague was telling me about an examination he completed on a patient with low back pain. He felt the story that the patient told in the history was thorough but somewhat run-of-the-mill. 
the things he learned felt usual. He felt that the physical exam was as it should be. The data led to an appropriate plan of care. What caught this physical therapist by surprise was the response of the patient to the examination. The patient mentioned that she had never been examined or questioned so carefully or thoroughly about her low back pain. No one else had been so interested in knowing her situation and managing her back pain so directly. She felt a part of the care process. We must appreciate each detail we go through with each of our patients. Physical therapy is not a generic term. It is our practice. We define its meaningful scope. One of our important responsibilities is to continue to advocate for the clear recognition of that fact among policymakers and regulators. Do not allow yourselves to think that taking a good history, measuring joint range of motion, assessing flexibility, testing muscle performance and motor integrity, testing sensory integrity, assessing pain and conducting all of the other tests you perform and measures you take are at all common. They are not common because we are doing them and we are doing them for a very important reason. Our direct interventions, the education we provide, the professional and patient care communication we engage in and the understanding and compassion we offer are only a few examples of what is notably exceptional about our profession. These activities might seem ordinary to us because we are efficient in their execution. They are part of our routines. Do not become complacent about these important fundamentals of care, however, no matter how regular they might become. There is a saying in Buddhism, before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. After enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. The procedures we use in practice, the wood we chop, and the water we carry are each made unique as we apply them to individual patients. The importance of the work we do is anchored in the people we treat. We are who we are, doing what needs to be done, and that may seem, again, ordinary to us, but it is not. We do what we do and we do it in a way like no one else does. We do what makes a difference in people's lives. These people are the reason we become physical therapists and physical therapist assistants. And that leads me then to my fourth suggestion. The patients and clients you care for are not ordinary. A 20-year-old young man was riding his bike down a hill when he hit something in the road and was thrown over his handlebars and even with the protection of a good helmet which he was wearing and he was taken to the hospital in a coma and because of the, the acute seriousness of his head trauma and other injuries he was fighting for his life for several weeks. 
Now, I suppose that many of us might think this patient's story, as I've shared it thus far, sounds almost average. How unfortunate. But we should know better than anyone else that this story, just like many other similar stories we are aware of and which are a part of us, is anything but ordinary. The stories we are involved in are never commonplace to the person involved in whatever has led him or her to seek our services. The situations are the center of a person's and his or her loved one's lives, and we can be found in the middle of those lives at times of fear, distress, and uncertainty. How ordinary is that? Our obligation of trust with everyone we work with should always remind us of the importance of each individual we care for and the powerful meaning of physical therapy care. In this case, the ending of this patient's story might seem the stuff of Hollywood to some. He was transferred back to his home in another state with severe balance deficits and obvious trouble with gait. Directed physical therapy interventions allowed this young man to become a safe and independent community ambulator. He is back with his friends, and he is employed. Ordinary to us? Maybe. Ordinary to him and his family? Not in the least. I hope you agree that this and the other stories I have shared with you powerfully illustrate why we should never settle for being ordinary, why we should always strive to make sure that we are not ordinary and continue to do what we do ever better, why we should not presume what we do is at all ordinary, and why we should always remember that the patients and clients we care for are also not at all ordinary, and why in the midst of the chopping of our wood and the carrying of our water, we can have confidence that the work we do is of great consequence. It is anything but routine to those remarkable people who place their belief in you and I and who receive our great care. It is, in fact, quite extraordinary. Thank you.